for Tuesday, April 6th, 2021. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE, answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, the 2021 state legislative session was held in the midst of the pandemic, but neither that nor other healthcare issues took center stage. While I think there were some consequential things, this was not like a big healthcare session. Andy Miller, editor of Georgia Health News, joins me for a look at some of the important healthcare bills lawmakers did take up. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. Despite meeting in the midst of the pandemic, it wasn't a big year for health care-related bills at the Georgia General Assembly. COVID-19 was more in the background, says Andy Miller, editor of Georgia Health News. He closely watched the 2021 state legislative session that wrapped last week. And he's with me now to discuss some of the notable pieces of health care legislation that Georgia lawmakers did take up. Andy, thanks for talking with me. Thanks for having me, Sam. I'm hoping you can start just by telling me how big of a role COVID-19 and the pandemic played um, in this year's legislative session. We had a session last year that was cut short because of the pandemic, and then lawmakers convened later in the summer last year. How much of a presence was the pandemic and were COVID issues uh, down at the Gold Dome this session? Well, I think it was in the back ground of a lot of things that were going on, whether it was uh, the testing of lawmakers, and it included social distancing of legislators. Uh, I know people in the media had less access to legislators than I can remember ever before. So in terms of kind of the logistics, there were definite differences. I would say the biggest concrete things that were done by lawmakers addressing COVID was in the budget. There was more money for public health, and there was more money for mental health services as well. And we know that uh, the pandemic's taken a big toll on the mental health of Georgians. Let's dig into the budget a little bit more. Public health in Georgia um, over the last few years has had funding cut. That's not a rarity. That's happened in a bunch of states around the country. So broadly, talk to me about what Georgia's public health infrastructure got out of this year's budget. Well, I think there were... Uh, 
salary increases, but also there was administrative help that went to the department. I think there's going to be a deputy commissioner position created. I think that lawmakers understood uh, by giving more money to the department of the vital function that it serves. Uh, And so going forward, I hope that that continues. I I think uh, public health, as you said, has been cut over the years, not just here, but nationally. And so just bringing more money into it and more funding into it is a good sign. There was also a substantial amount of attention on just the tons of federal money coming in the door, estimates of um, from the Department of Public Health itself of over a billion dollars to fund its, its COVID response. Is your sense that some of the money that lawmakers have put into the budget for public health is going to help prepare the state any better for future pandemics? Well, I think uh, the state and the country as a whole was unprepared for what happened. So I think based on that, it must improve. And I think it will in terms of getting ready. If we ever have something like this happen again, I think we'll be much better prepared. But uh, certainly, I think that the country and the state wasn't ready for what happened. I think some of this federal money has been passed along to temporary medical workers going to nursing homes and to hospitals when the real crunch of patients came to those facilities and when we were seeing a lot more, a lot of deaths. And so part of that CARES money went to paying for those folks. How about the mental health piece? This seems to be a priority for lawmakers kind of year after year. What are some of the big things, mental health services people might see coming to them? Well, I think there's going to be uh, more emphasis on community treatment and the availability of treatment. Don't forget that about a year ago when the budget was being cut uh, during the outset of the pandemic, mental health took a really big cut. And so now there's funding being restored to programs like the APEX program, which is school-based mental health services. And we know that that can make a big difference uh, for children and for their whole families as well. One of the kind of pandemic-adjacent bills that, to me, seemed like one of the the hottest issues down there was a bill that would have um, allowed individuals to visit family members in nursing homes and hospitals, regardless of whether or not those facilities wanted them to be able to visit. Tell me about this bill, because it's one that took a little bit of a circuitous journey uh, over the course of the session. It did, Sam, and it came about, and I heard from patients, families as well, is that essentially that nursing homes and hospitals were really pretty tight on allowing visitors into their facilities during the pandemic. Their argument was that these people could be endangering the safety of not only the patients and residents, but also the staff. Well, enough lawmakers heard from families the fact that uh, in many cases, unfortunately, family members died alone because their loved ones were not able to visit them because of the restrictions placed on visitation. And so there was a bill crafted and it was amended and revised several times to essentially allow a legal representative, which in many cases was a family member, 
to visit a patient in a hospital or a nursing home at least one hour a day. And it was argued that, look, the, whether it's a child or whether it's somebody suffering from dementia, these patients in, res, in residents of long-term care facilities need to have some help in terms of making medical decisions. And we know that medical providers also talk about the fact that the presence of a loved one really helps the patient in their recovery and in their battle against whatever health condition they're dealing with. And so the bill went through the House and the Speaker, David Ralston, was really strong in his support of it because he too heard from residents of his district in trying to uh, see a loved one in the hospital. And he was, he, this, you know, the powerful speaker of the House of Representatives here in Georgia was unable to help them. And so the bill finally got through committee and, and got through the House, but ran into a real roadblock in the Senate. And tell me about what happened there, um, because as often happens in legislation, some pretty substantial changes were, were made in the Senate. Right. Essentially, in committee, the, the bill was gutted. And it was really fought hard by large hospital systems that said, look, we're worried about the safety of our patients and our staff. And they argued, let us, the medical professionals, the infectious disease experts, take care of these decisions. The bill was gutted and then and back in the Senate and it went through to committee. And basically that particular decision held up and the House fought to get the original version back in. But the Senate stood steadfast in its opposition and essentially nothing passed. The legislation, as I understand, um, was essentially just kind of left on a table on, on the final day of the session. And Andy, I'm, I'm wondering how the changing situation of the pandemic altered this bill's fate. A lot of the arguments that I heard against it came from lawmakers who said this law is essentially putting into code language that might not, say, apply well to the next pandemic. And trying to legislate to a fluid situation, I imagine, is, is very hard to do. So how much was that a factor here, that just the pandemic is such a changing situation and it's really hard to put something in law to address it? Well, I think that played a part in it. I do know that there were many legislators who said that they heard from people in their constituents the fact that they couldn't visit. And so the medical experts said, look, we don't know what's coming down the pike next. And certainly at the beginning of the pandemic, we know how many people fell ill in facilities like nursing homes. And I think it was the hospitals more than the nursing homes who fought this bill at the end, and they were successful in preventing it from happening. Is this something that comes up again next session, or, or is the sense that a year from now the pandemic will look so different that this won't be an issue that people are so passionate about? Well, let's hope that it's not. Let's hope that we don't. we're not in a state of emergency. This bill would have taken effect in a declared emergency. And so uh, hopefully we will not be in that place next year. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? 
I'm Sam Whitehead, talking today with Andy Miller, editor of Georgia Health News. We're discussing some of the health care and COVID-19 related bills that state lawmakers considered during the 2021 legislative session that wrapped last week. Another thing that lawmakers uh, took up this year, kind of related to nursing home visitation, is, is the rights of individuals to put cameras in facilities where they have family members. Tell me about that measure. Well, it really came, it really was prompted, Sam, by a Supreme, Georgia Supreme Court decision uh, back in December that found that a hidden camera footage could be used in a criminal proceeding in the case of a nursing home resident whose family was alleging neglect of that patient. And so there was a bill crafted. It was supported by the long-term care industry that essentially laid out some parameters and protocols for having an open, visible camera in a room. And those rules included things like getting the roommate's permission signs outside of the room indicating that there was a camera in use and there were other forms crafted and it uh, went through the house but it got stuck in the senate and the senate uh, listened to advocates for seniors who said that in terms of hidden cameras the bill actually according to these advocates took rights away that a, under that bill, footage from a hidden camera could be used for criminal proceeding, but not for civil lawsuits and not for administrative hearings and testimony. And advocates felt like that was taking some rights away from residents of nursing homes and their families who might want to hold the facility accountable for abuse and neglect. And so their advocacy helped defeat the measure or at least amend the measure in the Senate. So it ultimately did not pass the General Assembly. Something else, too, that, that came up this year is telehealth services. The idea that you as an individual might be able to see a doctor, say, over the phone or using a computer. That got some attention this year, too, because of the pandemic. Um, can you tell me a little about that? During this terrible time, Sam, one of the only good things that came about, I think, was the fact that telehealth was used much more than ever before. It was used quite often in mental health. It was used for uh, essentially checkups for primary care as well. And I think that going forward, we're going to continue to see it happening. I think more people got comfortable with using their phone or computer to uh, do these type of interactions with a physician. One bill that came about that passed essentially says that in behavioral health visits that the insurance company has to pay uh, the provider at an equal rate as, as if the visit had happened in person. There's been movement on reimbursement in the past, but I think the pandemic has really moved it along even further. Mm -hmm. That might seem like a wonky change, but, but, but one with the potential to have big impact. It is. And I, I know that there were a lot of people, let's face it, who were very afraid early on to go to a physician's office or a medical provider's office uh, because of the fear of you know, possibly being infected through that in-person visit. And so I think 
that people got more comfortable. And I think that uh, these visits proved to be successful in treating the particular situation that the patient was in. What other issues were you watching down there? Um, just kind of other general health measures that, that you were watching this year? Well, I know that uh, there was gun rights legislation that uh, pretty much went through the House, but it got amended on the Senate floor toward the end of the session. And the bill was never brought up by the Speaker for an, a final okay by the House. And it was a, very much of a surprise that it didn't pass. It had a lot of backing from gun rights organizations and Democrats were fighting it, but uh, they don't have the votes to stop it. And so it was a big shock to me and to other people that it didn't get brought up on the last day. Can you tell me a little bit more about what the bill would have done? Well, it would have allowed reciprocal gun carry rights for people in other states to be able to carry their gun here in Georgia. It also had some provisions about uh, uh, having the probate courts allow mail-in and online applications for carry licenses. It also has some restrictions about that a governor couldn't take away in terms of ammunition and guns during a health emergency. It prevented local jurisdictions from limiting the the hours of gun ranges, shooting ranges. It did not, again, get that final vote. So uh, I'm sure that the the Georgia Carey and other organizations will bring it back next year, at least a lot of the provisions. Why is a gun bill something that you as a, as a health reporter watch? Well, it's a public health issue. Gun violence, uh, whether it comes from one of these terrible mass shootings, and we saw one here in Georgia recently, but also in regard to suicide, domestic violence, those are public health problems. And now, finally, we have the CDC beginning to be able to study gun violence as a public health issue. They now are free from the restrictions that Congress put on them many years ago. So it's not just a conservative versus progressive political issue, but it is public health. I mean, with the problem of, you know, if you take just suicide, which we're told has been increasing in our state and across the country, that guns certainly play a big part in that. There was an effort this year that would actually make it easier for uninsured children in Georgia to get connected with insurance. Uh, tell me a little bit about that measure. That was a really positive thing, Sam, that went through very quickly and very easily through the legislature. Essentially, it's for kids who have SNAP benefits or food stamp benefits to give them automatic eligibility into Medicaid if their families meet the income criteria. Other states have done this, and they have found that there's been a big increase in the number of uninsured children getting coverage, which we know is important, not just for their health and preventive care, but also for their schooling as well. Kids with insurance tend to do better in school. And so Georgia adopted this, and I, I think it's going to make a big difference in many families and, and the children in those families. 
lawmakers this year, I also understand, extended a set of protections for businesses that would protect them from lawsuits, say, if someone feels like they were exposed to the coronavirus, say, at a business. Can you tell me a little about what happened there? Liability protections were extended uh, for businesses uh, related to COVID issues. And uh, I think that that measure really shows Georgia's pro-business stance. Uh, it did get some opposition, but uh, it's it's one of those things where I think there are a lot of rules that changed uh, during this pandemic all up and down our society. And and this is one um, thing that did protect businesses or continued to protect them from liabilities. At this point, it is Governor Brian Kemp's turn to either sign or veto legislation. If he takes no action, a bill will become a law automatically. What are you watching in this time period? Can we expect any surprises with any of these measures that we've talked about or just any, any surprises in, in the health space in this next little bit of time? Well, Sam, we always tend to get a surprise in the veto uh, message. And because there were so many health bills that passed, I wouldn't be surprised if something did get vetoed. It is my sense that we have had sessions where health care really is the primary issue. And it seems like a pandemic would have been the perfect opportunity for it to be the, the primary issue down at the Capitol. Do you feel like it was? Well, it, it wasn't, Sam. And I think some of these bills were important, but certainly the legislation over voting rights and election security, that took a lot of the oxygen of this General Assembly session. And it still is. We're still talking about it. And so while I think there were some consequential things, this was not like a big health care session like it was two years ago when we had Governor Kemp's waiver proposals and we had hospital regulation laws passed. And and this one was, I, I don't want to say it was quiet and I don't want to say it was unimportant, but it just paled in comparison with the issue around voting rights and, and what happened as a result of that. Andy Miller is editor of Georgia Health News. Did You Wash Your Hands? is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, that's also where you can leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. donated to WAB yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wab.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.